So as you can tell from the title, we're going to be covering some unpleasant topics this episode. We're going to attempt to treat subject matter like this with the utmost respect. And as always, we're going to be cracking wise while we do that. If that sort of thing may be uncomfortable for you, then listener discretion is advised. Otherwise, enjoy the show. How you doing, buddy? Uh, how are the grandkids doing? How are you doing? Hannah, Hannah, the Kugel this year? Fucking phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Just, this, this have, the turnout this year is really, really nice. They put out all the stops this year. Yeah, but like that big fight earlier uh, about the party protocols was like, I don't know. It was a bit, it was getting a bit messy. Sure, but that happens every year, and honestly, comparatively, that wasn't... It was only two people, right? It didn't turn into, like, a big old thing, so... I, I consider that, you know, better better than usual. It's like, however it is when family gets together for the holidays, you know? There's, of course, going to be some bickering and disagreements, but, you know... Nothing brings us together... Nothing brings people together like, uh, some nice warm meals, and, uh... You know, a, a chance to gossip. Served as they should be in a cemetery in Prague. Yes, yes, uh, as as they should be. So, um, since we're broadcasting, uh, hello everyone. Uh, you're listening to 33.3 FM, live from the Elders of Zion Hanukkah cookout in a cemetery in Prague. Uh, we should find somewhere to sit. Um... Oh, here's good. I, I front of this front of this grave is good. I don't think this uh, Kafka guy will mind too much. Oh hi, CJ. What are you doing here? Uh, I was here to piss on Kafka's grave. What's up? Why? What has he done? Do I sat in uh, something? Anyway, what uh, what brings you guys here? Oh, you know, we got a lot of friends out in the elders, and you know, so we we we're usually sent an invitation every year. You know, we we aren't we are neither Tom's nor I are Jewish, but you know. We're not going to say no to an opportunity to have some, uh, have some latkes and kugel and, um... Oh, what? oh yeah, no, it's the same for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not actually, I don't really give that much of a shit about Kafka. He's fine, I guess. Uh, I yeah, understand like, the what bug is he deserve? What, what is, you know, this isn't a Thatcher situation. He hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, but wrong. it's also like... Yeah, but it is one of those moments where it's like, it's actually, I feel like it's sometimes easier to say like, hey, I'm in Prague to piss on Kafka rather than I'm in Prague for the Elders of Zion Hanukkah cookout. There is literally no way for me to say that in a way that is nearly as boring as what this event actually is or as benign. Yeah. So you'd rather answer the question of what did Kafka do to you? Yeah, because then I could make something up that sounds credible. <laughs> True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, the, this whole thing is really got really overblown there in the uh, around the turn of the century. It's you know, it's food and family and uh, yeah, Kugel. I I can't underestimate how much, how big a fan of Kugel I am. I cannot overstate. Yeah, that. it is it is really good. It is really fucking good. And um, oh god, what's that other one? Shakshika. That's it. I mostly know his eggs and burgers, ah. but ooh, big big fan, big fan of Shakshika. At least I didn't make the mistake of bringing the uh, the bacon cheeseburgers sliders this year. You made, you made that mistake three years in a row too, dude. Like I, I thought you would have learned it after them. the first time. They're, they're so good. I would have appreciated it. 
yeah, you know, they got secular Jews. You know, the, the elders are really, they're, they're really open-minded these days. You know. The, yeah, I feel like if I'm here, uh, that really should tell you about how low the bar has gotten, or rather how chill these guys have become in their desperate bid to find new members who are not crazy. Uh, like, I'm non-binary and my mom was Christian, so... I barely count. I get, you know, more shit from the black hats back home than I do here, which is why I'm here than at home. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's honestly, they're kind of like, well, I mean, if you look around, most of these guys are like old enough that they don't even have the dentures anymore. Well, you know, still elders, though elders with a big old asterisk. Yeah. Oh, no, they... Technically, it's gender neutral. It's fine. Yeah, they do good community work. They do good community work. So they like they like the big brothers rather than the neutral than the elders. Like the Big Brother program, not the Big Brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or the TV show. Oh yeah, all that. I'd watch that Big Brother with a bunch of old Jewish people. That sounds great, actually. <laughs> that's. I think that's also just the movie Shiva Baby. Honestly, Big like that's the issue I think with Big Brother. It's always all these like young people. I want Big Brother with like a bunch of like geriatrics. I want Big Brother with a bunch of old people. And the thing is, there's going to be just as much fucking drama and hooking up as with the young people. It's true. Um, but yeah, it's a shame that these guys have son gotten such a bad rap over the years. Um, like, using a using a nice organization like this and just slathering it on a fucking, like, anti-Bonapartist screed. And then being like, ah, the pr here, here's the proof that, uh... You know, the, the Jewish bankers are ruling the world, and then, you know, next thing you know, Henry Ford's handing it around, and it's just a whole fucking mess. These guys didn't deserve any of that. The original French satire book, too, was, uh, like, it was a satire. It was it was funny. It was intended yeah. to be funny. And then they translated it to Russian, hot-swapped Napoleon for the Jews, and uh, wound up taking all of the comedy out of it. Yeah, it, it was intended to be, like, you know, a Thomas Swift-esque thing, where it's just so utterly ridiculous and it's evil that it's totally unbelievable yes and so of course great conspiracy fodder yes of course so of it's course. just taking like a modest proposal and just like playing it straight and saying oh they're actually really trying to do this eat irish babies um yeah that's fucked up yeah yeah honestly not really not far off it's interesting. It's kind of, I mean, to me, it's very like I accuse the Rotary Club of waxing their telephones with the skin of live infants. Like, sure, Listen, I guess that's a sentence things. you can say. I, I, I've, I've heard some things with about the Rotary Club, all right? Let's, let, uh, I got some charts. They aren't with me, but. How concerned do I need to be about the phone people? Why would you not be concerned about the people who look at your phones? That is a really disconcertingly good point. Okay, well, that's uh, horrific. Can we move on to something else that's, like, less uncomfortable to think about? Uh, how about anti-Semitism and its connection with conspiracy theory? <laughs> okay, actually, yeah, you know what? Fuck it, that... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the far, far as segues go, we're trying to trying to head towards <laughs> No, I, appre I appreciate the, 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 it. It's also... me a better setup. That's a great setup. I like it. Uh... <laughs> Sure, fuck it, let's do that. It's Hanukkah, let's talk about anti-Semitism. And uh, right. big stories that get exaggerated over time, that actually seems on theme too. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, you know, whenever you kind of go diving into conspiracy theory, especially sort of the big, far-reaching, uh, New World Order, global cabal sort of shit, um, inevitably you kind of end up 
in a lot of dubiously anti-Semitic territory. What, I, what I've seen uh, kind of getting dropped a lot rather recently is, frankly, the, is this kind of this idea that the that conspiracy theory in general, but especially sort of um, New World Order conspiracy theories, are inherently anti-Semitic. Which I'm not sure, I, I don't think I really agree with that, and we can get into that a bit later, but it's certainly a very common pitfall that those sorts of writers tend to fall into. I mean, what's interesting to me is that we were just talking for a second about uh, how the French satire got adapted into this, like, very unfunny Russian hate pamphlet. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's interesting to me about that is, like, stories change when you adapt them. And in each context that you adapt it into, it's going to mean a different thing. So I feel like the general New World Order conspiracy and a lot of the conspiracies that are anti-Semitic in origin or nature or association, you could, you know find replace jew with any other minority that you do not like in most of these yes. and it would still work like it's not that any of these have to be confirmed by logic or even supported by stereotype they just need to feel right to people who are already predisposed to believe those things so like yes yes so i i don't know i'm just saying like you, you can slot whoever you don't like into the top of the New World Order pyramid. It's just that a lot of people really do not like Jews. And uh, the historical New World Order conspiracies tend to point at us. And even with things like um, like sort of anti-Illuminism, like conspiracies about the like um, uh, Illuminati and Rosicrucians and like other groups, Templars and whatnot, that like at their roots or like they like not, might not necessarily have been like start like the the sentiment might not have been anti-semitic at the start of the at the start of it it still ends up associated with it because it's coming from a place like a cultural milieu where anti-semitism is so common and it's something that you can always sort of like plug in yeah i mean that that's yeah. kind of what i was getting at is that i think if you took a lot of these conspiracy models to other places like outside of the anglosphere possibly uh, you would get different answers as to who they think is running the New World Order. Well, I don't think it's necessarily an Anglosphere thing so much as, like, a Christendom thing, I guess. Because, like, Procons of the Elders of Zion were very much a Eastern European thing. For um, I believe uh, the pamphlet was initially published in Russia. And I was actually, when I was looking into this stuff recently, I was very surprised by how recent uh, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion was initially published. What would you guys, like, if you guys don't know off the top of your head, what would you guess would be, like, the the year, roughly, that the Protocols of the Elders of Zion was first published? I feel fairly confident I know what year it was published in, uh, so I'm going to hold my answer so as to not eat shit. I thought it was, I think, late 19th century? 1903. Oh, I was right. Okay, yeah, it's been 120 years since they dropped that pamphlet. And the guy that wrote it, the, the guy that wrote it, or rather pra plagiarized from a number, number of sources, but most uh, famously, and I believe in its majority from that uh, Bonapartist pamphlet, Dialogue in Hell Between Machiavelli and Montesquieu, was like a total fucking con artist. Like, he, he, he wasn't even, like, this vehement racist. He was a guy that was perfectly happy to associate with bigots and get their money, but he wasn't necessarily um, motivated by bigotry in itself. There's a very good Umberto Eco book about this guy's life called The Prague Cemetery. 
uh, that I highly hey, recommend. Yes. Here. But my understanding is that sort of anti-Semitic conspiracy and like the more far-reaching global-leaning sense dates back to like the 1850s, uh, the, the mid-19th century with certain pamphlets published in France. And a lot of that is very linked to like um, the... Um, Oh god, I'm totally fucking blanking on these names. Uh, Describe the thing? The very famously rich Jewish banking family. Rothschild. Thank you. I, I was literally reading about this like two hours ago. Um, yeah, the Rothschilds. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of that's linked to the Rothschilds. And um, because the Rothschilds were probably at the peak of their influence in the first half of the 19th century. And, the, you know, because they're a Jewish family, of course, that's going to get mixed up with a lot of very classic anti-Semitic tropes uh, throughout uh, Christendom. And that kind of bloomed over time into a larger, more far-reaching Jewish cabal, so to speak, is, like, kind of where the theories go. But that's by no means, like, the first... New World Order global conspiracy idea, that I'd say would more be um, the anti-Masonry, anti-Illuminism, anti-Rosicrucianism, and um, anti-Jesuit stuff. Really yeah, I was about to say that uh, in the U.S., like early in U.S. history, uh, people were extremely anti-Catholic for yes. similar reasons yeah. as to anti-Semitism, where it's like, you know, they're not really human and they're not actually like Christian and they're not really a part of our country because the second that uh, they need to do something for religious reasons, they will kill all of us to achieve it. Also very popular in the United States, anti-Illuminism. Yep. Like a lot of the, like several of the founding fathers, like people that wrote the Declaration of Independence, wrote pamphlets about the Illuminati and the dangers of such. And and uh, the Illuminati is mentioned in George Washington's letters as a potential danger to this uh, new nation of theirs. Which is insane to me because a whole bunch of these guys were Masons. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also, the, Illu the Bavarian Illuminati was like, eh, that's a whole nother kettle of fish, but basically the Bavarian... And the gist of the Bavarian Illuminati was largely a... Can, it, it was a pro-enlightenment group that they were they, they were woke. Themselves. They were too woke for the founding fathers, so they didn't like them. Well, this is only with like a lot of now that also scans with early American yes, history too. Yes, but th this is like a lot of um, a lot of the stuff has only been found out in the past like fifty years or so with a lot of deep historical research. But the original Bavarian Illuminati before it was broken up by the um, uh, German government, or I believe it would have been the, um, would have been the, uh, 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 there, there's a lot of uh, tumult going on in that part of Europe. Not the, the German and, government, yeah. a German government. Uh, yes, very good. Um, but yeah, the Baron Illuminati was basically just a, the, the core of it was like pro-enlightenment group that wanted to bring these, you know, enlightenment ideas to the German countryside, hence Bavarian. And the, the guy who found it purposely surrounded it with a mystery cult structure as a way of attracting upper middle class patrons. Because they're like, okay, how do we get, like, these wealthy guys to fund our shit? 
oh, we wrap it with a bunch of mystique and ritual, like, you know, the Masons and shit. Yeah, so it is just the Masons. But then the inner circle was just like, hey, you want to read this stuff by Newton? Like, there's all these tiers, but, like, the highest mystical tier is just, like, reading shit by Enlightenment scholars. But then that got cracked down upon, and there was a bunch of very lurid um, media at the time about, you know, German government breaks up the Bavarian Illuminati, and then with all the revolutions that started happening in the late 18th century, you saw a lot of people being like, oh, obviously this is the work of the Illuminati, the French Revolution especially, because you just had a lot of nobles that were like, there's no possible way that just, you know, the peasantry and certain parts of the middle class could have gone so fucking fed up that they were able to successfully overthrow the nobility by themselves. Obviously, they were... Um, they were put up to it and sponsored by some rich secret society. Okay, so actually, this is this is a good moment, I think, for me to bust in. And uh, I am not going to spend time debunking any of the conspiracies that we talk about. Because, to me, they are, like, obviously on face false. And one of the only things that you need to do to, like, prove that to yourself is to realize that most of them are self-contradictory and mutually exclusive. All of these things cannot possibly be true at the same time. In fact, a handful of them can't even be compared against another handful of them. It's just not how the world works. It's also not how conspiracies work. The more people that are involved in something, the more likely it is to get out. Yeah, of course. There are infinite reasons debunking any of these things in this category broadly, and I, I just don't want to waste time going, like, down the checklist of, you know, this thing uh, is an anti-Semitic trope, and we're going to prove it didn't happen because. If you want to hear about why blood libel was never real, there are medieval scholars who can explain that better to you in five minutes on YouTube than I can right now on a podcast. Well put. So I'm, I'm just going to talk kind of about, like, what I do actually know, which is history of tropes and history of narrative and, uh broadly the history of anti-semitism so yeah i wanted to get into the illuminati stuff to one be like okay th this is sort of where um that's a, the a different topic of also huge but also how conspiracy theory tends to very naturally kind of fall into pre-existing biases that people already have especially about people that they you know may think for whatever reason are more powerful than them not to drag Umberto Echo back into this conversation, <laughs> but uh, that is, isn't that in Earth Fascism? Is that you've, is, isn't that in your fascism where it's like your enemy must be at once weak yes, and strong? Yes. But, you know, like you, like you brought up the, anti the very strong anti-Catholic sentiment in, in the early United States, and that's a good example because we're talking like, you know, this is not... The Reformation had not been around for that that long, and there's still like a sense of like, okay, the the Catholic Church is still this very powerful organization, so of course they're going to have some sort of wing like the Jesuits that are doing culture, what would now be called like culture jamming shit, to uh, spread Catholic influence, right? Though the funny thing too is there was a lot of anti-Jesuit conspiracy theory within Catholics. Within Catholic communities? Sure. God bless. Because then they were like, oh, the, the Jesuits uh, have gone rogue and they're trying to take control of the other parts of the Catholic Church. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's the other thing, too, that I wanted to bring up is 
that the other thing about all these conspiracies is that they are broadly applicable. You like they're intended to be just they're just scapegoat theories, and you can kind of uh, find replace the minority with any other minority in most of these cases. Uh, but in you know in stuff like you were talking about the French Revolution and cases of you know generally when anti-Semitism tends to be like a force for political violence or for political power it gets channeled through the lens of trying to reframe some like class issue or some economic issue by pointing and going like, actually it's not are the government's fault. It's those guys uh, who aren't like you really actually. Yeah. Uh, so let's go fuck them up. And that's been the story over and over again. You can just kind of switch out, you know, minority for minority. Uh, but due to the way that history is shaped, <laughs> It follows us around pretty, like, stickily. Yeah. But you see it as, um, like, the same thing manifest in other situations um, when there is a, a smaller group which has an element of, like, real or perceived, like, secrecy in how they do things. Either, like, people don't understand them or there is some secrecy involved um, mm -hmm. in terms, in the, in the form of their religion. Like, in the way that um, in parts, of the, in, like, Lebanon and Syria... Uh, with the Alawites and the Druze and other like sort of smaller Islamic sects which are more Gnostic, more secret and more have like their like ways of doing things which aren't are understood and they get a lot of this like what like the Sunni majority says about them um, is very similar in like language and like accusations as to what like people in Europe said about the Jews and also yeah. very similar to what Romans said about the Christians. And it's like, it's it, it, it happens, it, it, it's happened to the Jews a lot, but it also the exact same thing happens to other groups who are in the same sort of position. Yeah, just any out group that has a distinct cultural identity will get targeted. And uh, see also Facebook and Myanmar. Yeah. Oh yeah, another yeah. good example. You know, this shit keeps happening, and what we see with like a, I think with like a lot of the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that you saw popping up in the mid 19th century, it was it was just like a, a synthesis between the classic, um, uh, secret society conspiracy theories that you started to see popping up in the late, uh, late. Uh, 18th century, uh, mixed with very, very old bigotries related to Judaism. And then the bridge between those two was basically the Rothschilds. And uh, to clear to clear this up early before we get too deep into talking about the Rothschilds, yeah. the guy who just wrote a book about this, uh, who was also named Rothschild, no relation. Yes, uh, the writer of Jewish Space Lasers. It's a good title. Yeah, we all uh, let, read let's shout out this book. We yes, like this yeah. book. The writer of Jewish space Jewish space lasers, the Rothschilds and two hundred years of conspiracy theories, um, is one Mike Rothschild, no relation to the banking family. Uh, which I feel like, no matter how many times that anyone says that about him, it is not going oh, to stop yeah, no, in any no, way. No, no, it is not going to stop the weirdos. It is not going to stop fucking anyone. I I feel bad for this man and what. Uh, is about to descend on his life if it hasn't already. My understanding is that this is literally his job. Is like he is a scholar of conspiracy theory. 
So Yeah, I saw it, but I'm still sitting here going like, this is really like, you know, I was poking the tiger in the eye oh, with a sure. knife. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, I'm sure he was having all of these accusations leveraged to him far before he released a book about called Jewish Space Lasers. I wonder if there's some sort of nominal determinism going on there. Um, it's like, well... I'm Rothschild. Yeah, so he's like, fuck it. it. You know, people keep accusing me of this shit anyway. Might as well say my piece about it and write a book. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the interesting thing here, too, is that you can slot these narratives, like, all over the place. Like, my, my I really do believe that uh, the New World Order stuff is not inherently anti-Semitic, but it has so much association and is so frequently used for that purpose that it's like think for a minute if you're gonna use it as a story trope somewhere think for a minute really about like why you're doing this and what you're going to actually do with it uh and try to be a little sensitive as you go forward but i don't think it's inherently evil because i don't really think that there are many types of story that are inherently evil i, I would pretty much agree there the fact that you can try so many conspiracy theories um, in like either through causation or correlation to anti-Semitism, um, that sort of popped up um, as like it was it was well known, but it popped up in the mainstream through a few like um, news articles and things which sort of really broadly simplified it to all conspiracy theory is anti-Semitic, which is uh, not true. No, but it it's has not. a point. Yeah, like, it's it's not true. It's the most boring take on the concept. It's just like, oh, it must all be like that. It's like, no, How, no. Well, I guess the way right? I think I'd put put it is that not all conspiracy theory is, is inherently anti-Semitic, but more that conspiracy theory tends to be very much emotionally motivated by the same emotions that motivate anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that uh, there's a... that it's ironic to me that the statement of all conspiracy theories are anti-Semitic in origin is like, that's a kind of oversimplified narrative that promotes people to cling to conspiracy theories, things that explain the way that the world works in a way that feels emotionally intuitive and isn't complicated and is easy to hold on to. And it's like, that's not the case really for basically anything. It's also like quite like ridiculous when you think about it from like a historical point of view. It's just like you, you know that people in like medieval China, they totally had conspiracy theories about shit that was going on. Didn't have anything to do with the Jews at whatsoever. Well, this is sort of the question of wh- at what point in history are conspiracy theories really considered to have started? Because at what point are conspiracy theories distinct from? just sort of sort of folklore and rumor mongering and i'd say the big distinction is when you really started to see a sense more of a sense of global identity and uh more globalized trade which does correlate with the 18 late 1800s roughly or excuse me, late seventeen hundreds, roughly. Because it, it's it's much it's as easy as someone in ancient Babylon being pissed off by something and saying, "Oh, you know who is really behind this? It's those fucking Hurrians or whatever." Like, sure. it's like, oh, it's a secret. Like that is like conspiracy theories of various types have existed from the beginning because it's just a way of thinking. Like a lot of them just haven't been like not relevant after a while and weren't written down mm-hmm. or weren't like preserved in the same way but that mode of thinking i don't think is new 
No, I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree there, but sort of like what, how are you defining the lines of what qualifies as a conspiracy theory, I guess, right? Are you talking about something more supposedly global and far-reaching, or are you talking like, you know, just any idea of, okay, there is a group, and they are more powerful than you, and they are colluding in some way to your detriment? Okay, so this sounds like it's more specifically about New World Order type conspiracies sure. rather than just conspiracy broadly. Because, like, there's conspiracies broadly that don't have that element. Uh, like, where there is no overarching mastermind, but the conspiracy theory is still there. Um, yeah. And, like, you, and it's not even, I wouldn't say global, because you can have a conspiracy theory that's, like, believed what, and espoused by one guy. You, and that is yeah. still a conspiratorial what theory. What would you give an example of, like, so a. No, not necessarily a non-New World Order conspiracy. There's plenty of those that are very easy to think of, but I didn't think of conspiracy theory as kind of inherently attributing um, a degree of intent to things. Yeah. Oh, okay. That the world is this way because someone is making it this yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, hence conspiracy theory. Conspiracy implies intent, implies people working together in secret to achieve some goal. Okay, yeah. But uh... this also brings up a very good point that Conspiracy theory, as it gets used colloquially these days, is incredibly fucking broad. Yes. Sure. That's the other reason why I don't feel comfortable saying all conspiracy theories are anti-Semitic, because that's not true by any definition of either of those words, but people will still say it like it's true. Yeah. Anyone who has, like, a persecution complex is a conspiracy theorist, just on a low, like a, like a low level. Everyone's against me. There's a conspiracy against me. I know people like this. Um, they're conspiracy theorists. It's just, maybe it's more conspiracy hypothesis, but still, it's, it's the same thing. You can thing. also be right about it. Like there are a hundred, uh, there are times in history where the people going there is a like deep conspiracy in the government secretly doing something nefarious. Sometimes that's true, yeah. and yeah. like sometimes it's not the government. Sometimes it's like you know uh, that company that was doing the blood testing uh, and you know uh, devices that definitely did not work got reported early oh, as being yeah. like uh, yes, Theranos got reported as a fraud like way early uh and people were like that's just a conspiracy trying to bring down like a hard-working businesswoman yeah. well an interesting thing with theranos was that like they got a ton of investor capital in but basically none of it was from like biotech specific companies biotech specific because the biotech people knew it was yes, bullshit exactly exactly uh elizabeth holmes was great at generating hype in people that didn't actually know anything about the field that she was talking about i also don't think that she knew anything about it <laughs> not much from my understanding this is why people make the distinction between like small c conspiracy and big c conspiracy because small scale conspiracies happen all the time while the big overarching this is like this explains everything conspiracy it doesn't exist because of just it's too hard to organize and keep together like even like historically like going like back in history there probably were like jewish conspiracies with a small c as in some jewish people got together to like do something secretly yeah sure but that's, that, that, that's just how groups all the time. of people act that's, yeah you get enough people to yeah, exactly. get enough people, people with do. a uh, with a shared goal that you know they don't want other people known about that, that that's how that shit works that's also how you plan a surprise yeah. party that's true uh that's, true. That, that's a ooh, that, that that's a good one actually 
the my friends are colluding against me to 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 lure me to a secondary location in the dark with a blindfold on so that they can approach me with a bat and make loud noises in the yeah, dark yeah I, I don't trust that shit like how how embarrassed would everyone be if it turned out that the the international zionist conspiracy was just trying to hold a big birthday party for everyone Oh, that's what we were trying to do with Jesus, but people kind of uh, have recorded that. And just a not correct. Just a surprise party for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday. <laughs> that's how it goes, right? That is how that works. Okay. But yeah, going back to the more colloquial definition of conspiracy theory, I mean, I think of like, you know, shit like UFOs and cryptids is generally considered in the same sphere as conspiracy theory. To the point where, like, if you're really into that shit, even if you don't believe in global cabals, someone might still accuse you of being a conspiracy theorist. And this is kind of what I mean when yeah. I say conspiracy theory, as it's used uh, in its broadest definition, is basically uh, a synonym of folklore. Yeah, that's true. That's overlap. Yeah. There's definitely overlap. There's, there's overlap. Yeah, I think it's like folklore, but with stakes attached. Not if that necessarily. Makes sense. Like, like got... if you're really into Bigfoot... Are there a lot of stakes there? That's a good point, actually. But then again, I also wouldn't want to like lump Bigfoot under the same umbrella as like New World no, Order. No, I stuff. agree. I feel I like agree. it's like it's they are put under the same umbrella to a certain degree, but I don't think that's really appropriate. Right. So maybe we should like try to come up with a distinction. I think just or some way to articulate it. Fortiana was never, like, anti-Semitic in any way. No. It was Charles Fort going around collecting interesting, weird, paranormal stories. It's a fact that people who are interested in Fortiana tend to also be interested in conspiracy theories uh, because it, it scratches a similar itch. They provide meaning, they provide context, and they feel very emotionally satisfying. The, the idea that there's a giant furred hominid in the Pacific Northwest is very emotionally satisfying to me. Well, then again, yeah. I, I think that there's a distinction between, I think, people who get into conspiracy theories and people who get into conspiracy theory, Like, as in, people who start believing in conspiracy theories versus people who are just, like, super into them and, like, reading about them, but don't There is that them. distinction, but... So we're putting a, ourselves in that in that uh, second category, right? It's a very fine line sometimes. It's, you know... Sometimes it is, yeah. Uh, you know, that one, like, fucking, uh... American Dad meme where it's like, uh, you know, he's looking at the the meter where it's like, occult psychosis. It's like occult insight psychosis, and it's like the 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 dial is like right on the line. Yeah. yeah sure. There was um I read this thing that uh, Tim Powers said about like the way he writes his books, like finding like connections that don't exist and like making them and like developing them into a like a, a conspiracy for his book and he mentioned like like late at night after like a whole day of researching he can he can get into the mindset of like maybe this is true maybe this is true and in the morning he's like no 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 it's not true. yeah no i love that story too where he'll just like he'll be like oh my god no like all these connections i've drawn i just doing my my research I I've somehow uncovered just, just connecting dots. I've somehow uncovered something significant, something real. And then he like, and then I take a nap, and then you know I wake up, and they're like, what? No, no, what the fuck was I? What the fuck was I on about? I mean, yeah, and and often sometimes like uh, 
this is also, I think, where we should also segue and say, like, a lot of the people, or not a lot of the people, but some people who, like, are prone to conspiratorial thinking also tend to be people, like, with some kind of thing going on mentally. Like, they might be paranoid. I can attest to that one. Um, And as my mental health has improved, I noticed I've trended a lot less towards conspiratorial thinking. Yeah, I mean, and it was the same for me. When I was at the unhealthiest points in my life uh, was when I was the most interested in conspiracy theories and stuff. And then as I started to get healthier, that's also when the idea of all conspiracy theories are anti-Semitic was like first introduced to me. So I kind of fell out of love with conspiracy theories for a long time. And it wasn't until like I got way healthier that I was able to go, no, these are fun. I'm going to keep looking into them. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and it's the difference between looking into them because you think there's truth there versus looking at them because like, ah, this is this is this is fun and kitsch, right? Yes. Yeah, they're different things. I guess the intent, once again, is what matters. And the problem is it it it's, it gets kind of blurry because like sometimes conspiracy theories and the way uh, people like us sometimes like deal with them is because yeah, they're fun and kitsch, but then you look at like peel back a little bit and like, oh no, this is fucked up. Uh, well, and that that sort of development <laughs> that CJ and I were talking about can go in the other direction too. Where you get into conspiracy theories because they're fun and kitsch, and you know you end up going through some very difficult experience, or just you're having a very stressful time in your life, and you might start shifting more towards the oh no wait wait a second there might be something to this direction. Yeah, that's interesting to me, too, because I think uh, pulling back to something that we talked about a a little bit ago was the idea of conspiracy theories, like in the U.S. at least, being used as kind of a way to defray, like, economic and classist uh, sentiment. And in Uh. Western Europe, too, they use that a lot. But it's... How to put this? In America, like, we've got this kind of idea that everybody is just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire Mm -hmm. like that we all have the ability to succeed at anything we would like to if we're willing to try hard enough so if you are so therefore if you are not president that is your fault personally for a moral failing and sins that you have committed uh like as a person and that's why uh the calvinists know that you're going to hell like that kind of shit uh and it's because something someone is working against you to keep you down the forces of evil who hate God and you are preventing you from becoming the president. I mean, I already knew or that. Or whatever, but... you know, thing it was that you wanted. What what makes it muddies the water even more is that because conspiracy theories offer, like, a simple solution to complex yeah. problems. There have been a lot of little... There have been little C conspiracies in the past, like the FBI's COINTELPRO, that encourage conspiratorial thinking or conspiracies because they're useful. Or even for, like, yeah, the that's a good for, example of far-reaching one, or, like, really any price-fixing scheme is a conspiracy. Sure. Like, you know, there's definitely conspiracies that have large effects on the world. It's just they tend to not be some sort of cabal or, like, society with, like, tenets of membership and whatnot. No, sometimes it's just for the regular ass reasons of uh, power and greed or fear. Like it is kind of interesting that someone lo- like groups like the Bilderberg Group are often like spoken in the same breath as like the Rothschilds. Where it's like no, like the Bilderberg Group that's close to like a think tank, right? Like that actually 
makes sense that it's shaping policy and world politics to a certain degree. That's what it was designed to do. That means yes. it is functioning as intended explicitly on the surface in public. It's like talking about the grand, yeah. far-reaching conspiracy that it is the World Economic Forum. People do that too, though. Oh, sure, but it's like, that's not really a conspiracy. It's like, yeah, here's our policy. Uh, this is this is what we're trying to achieve. And they vastly overemphasize, or they overestimate the... They both under and overestimate, like, groups like yeah. the WEF's yeah. influence because the influence is huge but it's like they, they produce a lot of reports there's a lot of advisements yeah. there's a lot of advisories governments don't listen to them a lot of the time for both good and bad reasons <laughs> like a lot of think tanks think tanks produce a lot of things that don't get read so like academic publishing pretty much think tanks are pretty much just private humanities publishers that's yeah. Oh, that's so depressing. Oh, no. I can't believe I was ever going to feel solidarity <laughs> with the people at the fucking Lincoln Project. <laughs> Even people with bad opinions are getting fucked over. Unfortunate, but it's true. Speaking of conspiracies, that's probably another one that you could argue is. Like, it's a, it's a concentrated media campaign to affect a specific political goal organized by a group of guys yeah. operating for an explicitly political purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Lob but, so, lobby groups. Yes. <laughs> like, they yes. Supported, they're not secret. Supported by, supported by very powerful and rich individuals. And you can claim that it's a conspiracy, not even, like, even though they're on the surface just telling everybody who they are, that doesn't mean that people know about them. Like, you can have a conspiracy they're... just by things being not well publicized, like, yeah. you know? Sure. And it also really doesn't mean that they're going to work, right? It yeah. doesn't mean that what they're trying to achieve is going to be successful. Um a lot of the problems is like with the real world like actual conspiracies is they're too boring for youtube videos so people don't care it's more interesting to hear like a simplified story with a clear villain than a fucking mess of a like competing interests and i think that's that's kind of what i was getting at earlier with the emotional motivation behind a lot of conspiracy theories uh a lot of this is like taking the sort of storytelling plot driven instincts of the United States, the sort of stories that we find emotionally satisfying and applying it to an extremely chaotic world that is by no means going to be pigeonholed into those plot devices. I don't think that's like a, a specifically American thing. No, no, not at, at all. all because not it goes at back a long time all. in history. Well, what did I say is American? I think that's just like one of the big things behind conspiracy theory. It's Hey, everything's fucked up. This need, There has to be some sort of villain behind this, right? Especially because having a villain means that theoretically there's something you could do. Like this is, again, yes. uh, Umberto Echo Counter 3. Uh, but that's kind of the sort of weak while strong bullshit that he's talking about is that you've got people who are strong enough to prevent you from mm -hmm. achieving anything at all in your life, but also are a concrete fight the uh, threat that you can fight that you can do something about so it simultaneously makes you powerless to prevent your own failures while empowering you to fight the people who are responsible for those failures instead of you but you know how many science fiction stories how many fantasy stories have all of us read that that setup is basically true 
True. Yeah, I mean, because it's good storytelling. It's interesting yeah. narratives. Like, it makes for interesting stories because they're easily comprehended. Yes, exactly. And it's very emotionally satisfying because of that, but fundamentally, that's not really how things actually work. It would be a lot more emotionally satisfying if that were the case, but no, a lot of arbitrary bullshit happens. So we don't, we, we don't, we're not supposed to like the, um, the, the, the gray anti-hero anymore. History does not have a three-act... History is not just a sequence of three-act structures. Yeah, it's not even when you go into the whole uh, five-point rising action shit either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more like a... a fic, was it a Fichtean curve? Or it's like one shit after another? Oh my god. That sounds about right. Ah, uh, yes. Fuck, I missed... Oh, I think... Uh, well, there's an interesting point uh, that I read about... Um, like the popularity of like anti-Semitic conspiracy theory as something that's more all-encompassing and more new world ordery, which is what I think like Frank was sort of touching on before, as being a product of the Enlightenment. When in the Middle Ages, yeah, there was like a, um, anti-Jewish sentiment and conspiracies about the Jews and things like that, going all the way back to like Thomas of Monmouth and all that. But it wasn't the same sort of thing. And I'm thinking part of it is because in like a more religious society the bad guy is satan and as enlightenment kicks in and it becomes a more and more secularized society that sort of impulse of we need to blame someone is still there but they we don't believe in not as much we like the devil is a metaphor sort of thing so who do we blame uh, while inventing the concept of race at the same time, it's like, okay, we've got these Jews here. They can take the place of Satan instead. I think that's definitely part of it. I just think the other part of it is probably just the rise of capitalism. Because, um, you know, the like the source of a lot of anti-Semitic tropes are fundamentally in the fact that throughout Christendom, uh, usury was a terrible sin. And as a result, you know, Christian money, uh, money lending from other Christians wasn't, you know, it wasn't something you're supposed to do. So, but, you know, lending as an institution basically is, it's pretty much inevitably going to exist in any, uh, any culture with currency. So then the question becomes, hey, how the fuck are we going to fund these big fancy churches we want to build? Okay, we need to borrow money from someone. Who can we borrow money from? Uh, this class of people that does not necessarily follow the same religious strictures that we do. And then as a result of that, um, those people end up getting associated with money and banking and debt and all that fun stuff. Um, and I was as just reading recently, um, I was just reading about how, um, uh, how much of a fucking lending racket the Buddhist churches had oh, in Tang Dynasty yes. China? Oh, that, that, that was all <laughs> over the place. They like... had that in Japan too, and that's what caused the uh, yeah. Shinto Buddhist "quote unquote" split back in the uh, 1800s. Yep. Yep. Different context, yep. uh, different uh, results, but very similar things happening. Where it's like, okay, yeah, the Buddhists end up getting a <laughs> get. Uh, you, you see uh, a lot of. Uh, um, uh, you, you, you see a, a lot of, uh, uh, boot, uh, suppression of various Buddhist sects happening because, yep. you know, yep. various powerful people don't want to have to pay their debts back. Exactly. And the, it turns out that was the motive behind a lot of programs too. Yep. 
But what I'm getting with the rise of capital capitalism thing is, you know, as the sort of um, relationship that the average person has the, with the economy is less based on serfdom and more based on, like, you know, building up savings and having, uh, you know, your own assets and... Attempting to be middle class. Income and all that. Uh, the average person's relationship with uh, money lenders and banking institutions is going to be greater and more widespread. So as a result of that, you're going to have a lot of people like, oh yeah, the, the people that have been doing this for a long time and have experience with it and are still doing it, obviously these are the ones colluding to keep us down because they're the ones that are asking me to pay back my loan. It's a it's a big incentive to accuse someone of like eating babies if you owe them a lot of money. Yeah, and it's a lot of motivated reasoning. I think. I don't think it's some of it's certainly cynical, sure, but a lot of just like, hey, this is convenient for that person to believe, so they will believe it. And yeah, that's that's where shit like, you know, the uh, the blood level comes from. That's where shit like. Um, you know, the whole Juden Sow thing comes from. Um, CJ, you said that you've, you're actually pretty um, well-researched in all these tropes. Uh, I'd love to hear your I'm, take I'm on researched that. in the tropes, uh, not necessarily, like, the history behind these things uh -huh, or how uh -huh. they came into being as much as, like... Well, some of them I, I know where they came from and I can say that, but there are also some where I will admit I don't when those come uh -huh, into play. Uh-huh. Uh, but something that I've kind of realized is that there's like broadly a few categories that most anti-Semitic tropes, myths, canards uh, fall into. Uh, you've got the good old original uh, Jews killed Jesus and other murdery, mm. you know, subcategories like blood libel uh, and, and that sort of thing. And then you've got international finance as another category, which is what we were just talking about rebanking. Uh, but it's also where I would probably put, like, cultural Marxism-type accusations as well. Yeah, Anything fair. economic would go under, like, the international finance heading because people use it on every side of the aisle to justify whatever economic system they don't like um, being evil. And then the third one would be, like, the New World Order stuff, which is just Jews control the world, period. That's not necessarily always implicated in the other two categories. Like, you don't need... All of these categories can be standalone or combined in any, you know, amount, but they're you you uh, they can stand alone. I'd say the latter one is usually tied in with the second one, where it's like Jews control the world through banks, finance, whatever. Right. Because I've never really heard of any other mechanism proposed by a conspiracy theorists for why this group supposedly controls the world. Oh, I've heard some that are because they're not human. Like, they're not oh, human or they're in so. league with the devil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. that's where I would also put any of the, like, infiltrator. That's, like, there's a subcategory okay. in there okay. for infiltrators, which is, like, the sure. Jews are it's serpent reasonable. people or yeah. all Jews are trans because heretics menstruate uh, or something. Like, there's all sorts of weird I don't know shit that's that under one. there. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's references, apparently, to Judas, like, bursting open at the belly as a result of doing what he did. Uh, 
And then there were some other stories apparently where it was like I God smote someone on the ass. Uh, and there's multiple stories apparently about people shitting out their own intestines when they do a heresy. So okay, interesting. Jewish men have to menstruate because they need to ritually bleed from their anuses because they're all heretics by default because they accepted the blood curse that came from killing Jesus. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. That's real wild. So like. And now you can see that coming back around with uh, the infiltrator narrative, I think, is really common now. You see it used the most often, like, against trans people. Like, that's, that's I think, kind of where that specific conspiracy is most prominent now. The idea that, like, we've got these people who are infiltrators to spaces that they shouldn't be in that were meant to be, like, good for us or protective for us that... Uh, these outsiders are fucking up. Well, and again, I think this is applying sort of storytelling tropes to real life is yes. a lot of that. Where, you know, I think it's fair to say that everyone in this room is a fan of They Live by John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's fair. But, uh, and you know, it's because it's a great fucking movie. But that, like that, that's exactly what that movie's about. It's about that situation. It's just like, okay, in this world, th- 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 this is true. And it but it's not like you can clock them by, like, looking for an Adam's apple or something. It's like, no, you have to wear the special sunglasses. Right, and other people, you know, or other groups have fallen uh, prey to that accusation all over the place. Like, the the serpent people theory in general, the one that says, like, uh, what is it, that they're from Alpha Draconis, I think is the name of the star? The reptilians are actually extra-dimensional. Oh my and god, the, that's the, great. The, the, the hold of the other dimension is near Alpha Draconis. And it is worth emphasizing that David Icke does not, he, he does not say that all Jewish people are reptilians, specifically the Rothschilds and other rich banking families. Yeah, so but the Tudors end up on that list frequently. Yes. yes. Though he does basically, he does go on to say that the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is basically correct. It's just not the Jews. It's the lizard people. That's Other than that, so basically funny. correct though. Like, th- this is not me paraphrasing him. This is, I mean, it's, it is me paraphrasing him, but this isn't me, like, putting words in his mouth. He has right. said that. He has been asked about the protocols, and he's like, yeah, no, the, the, the Jewish thing is only coincidental sometimes. It's it's really just, you know, the, the, but the lizard people do act like this. That's so fucking funny, honestly. Like, it's it's very depressing, but it is funny. Though, going to the um, the death of Jesus stuff, uh, is interesting because anti-Semitism, I mean, it's been, for most of history, it's only really a huge phenomenon in Europe, even in other places where Jewish groups live. The, you know, most famously, um, it probably hits Eastern Europe the hardest for a number of reasons. Some cultural, I'd argue, most more material, but that's just kind of my biases of, oh, here's an outgroup resources are scarce because we live in a part of the world that is very hard to farm and, you know, get food in. Uh, Alright, things are doing poorly. We need a scapegoat. And in the Catholic Church, Western Europe has plenty of history of removals um, and forced migrations and killings. Though the Catholic Church has kind of a complicated history of Judaism and it sort of varied pretty heavily pope to pope official policy there's a significant tradition in um iberia and latin america 
um, of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories specific to their context, which date all the way back to uh, the Reconquista. Yeah, that's a big part of the Inquisition and the Reconquista. was like, okay, let's get these non-Christians out of here, whether they're Jewish or Muslim. Well... Well, they often, a lot of the time there were accusations that the Jews were colluding with um, the Muslims, which often, which would actually would make sense because it's better at the time. It was probably better for them to live under Andalusian rule than Castilian or whatever. Um, but it was yeah, a thing that was a kernel. Yeah, you know, there probably was larger. at a low level some conclusion collusion and working, or you know as could be put more positively, working together between Jewish and Muslim communities uh, as a way of finding safety against a often hostile majority. Well, because it, like, uh, if you were in the Middle Ages, at least, if you're Jewish in the Middle East, in, like, Muslim-controlled territories, you just pay your tax. Most yeah, of the time. no, there were like... There and things, it wasn't the there, same. There's definitely, like, a history... There's definitely issues with anti-Semitism in the Middle East these days, but a lot of that is fairly recent and rooted in, you know, uh, stuff going on recent. with Israel and whatnot. Uh, Which but, is another case of, uh, let's get all of these Jews in a specific place. Yes. Um, but yeah, Political lo- reasons to support Israel uh, or the behind the founding of Israel are all absolutely insane. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, let's not get into that too, too yeah we don't we let's let's uh let's leave current it, events out of this that's a, a yeah, that's, agreed that's a bit too topical yeah it's, it's a bit bit, too spicy right bit, now but um the although i will i will bring up about um anti-semitic conspiracy theories in the middle east nowadays um the interesting thing to me is like it's a combination of like uh regurgitations and like repetitions of older European conspiracy theories, but also mixed in with um, conspiracy theories that are more prosaic and political, mm-hmm. um, sort of um, related to Mossad and things that like are related enough to things that Mossad have actually done. Um, but it becomes more... It's yeah. similar to like this whole CIA under the bed Well, sort yeah, of it thing just comes down to where, like, okay, <laughs> intelligence agencies do a lot of fucked up things in the shadows. Like, yes. that's their job. So when that's you know, why they exist. Yes, that's it. But then it becomes a problem of people, because they're doing that, whenever something happens, people start assuming it must have been them, when it only sometimes was yeah. them. And this gets into kind of sillier stuff with, you know, weather control and the whole uh, animal spying thing. That isn't really a big thing in, like, European and American anti-Semitism. My understanding it's a lot more popular in the Middle East. I I, I mean it 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 overlaps with like anti-Semitic tropes sometimes, but it's always like to me it's uh, anti-Israeli conspiracy theory more than anti-Semitic. Okay. It's more I mean, like they're doing they're doing this there, scheme. There is overlap, but it's not this like it's this yeah, yeah, enemy government yeah. is like nefariously like training the dolphins to do this which you can separate i mean it's, and it's, it's not in, like in the u.s practice, didn't it's actually harder. try to do that yeah i was about to say like this sure. uh, once again the list of ways that they attempted to assassinate castro uh includes poisoned cigar yeah 
See, it would have been... Yeah, they didn't do it well, did it they? Been they failed really horribly. funny <laughs> if they just took out Castro with a fucking Looney Tunes ass exploding cigar. I feel like that would have worked. Uh, you know, they were so far at the end of their rope by that point. Jelly not a fan of U.S. Uh, interference with Cuba, but especially during the Cold War. But that would have been really funny. But yeah, like um, going back to sort of the history of Judaism in the Middle East... Um, the, um, you know, were there, like, removals and forced migrations and attacks on Jewish populations in the Middle East? Absolutely. But usually it was part of, like, a broader just, we want these non-Muslim people out of here. And Christians in the region were usually getting targeted right around the same time. And then there's the whole... Then there's the Dimmy thing where it's, like, non-Muslims have to pay greater taxes and whatnot. And there were lots of times in like the medieval and like early modern history in the Middle East where a lot of the negative attention wasn't on the Jews and the Christians, it was on the wrong kind of Muslim. Yeah. We were considered much worse because they were um, considered heretics and like twisting the word, uh, twisting yeah. the, the true religion yeah. versus the Christians and the Jews who had a, like a, a place in society, like a theological yeah. sort of place and a thing to do they weren't upsetting the uh the status quo they weren't a threat to the status quo in that situation the same way that like christian and jewish populations you know that like you said they they had a sort of prescribed role in that society at the same time like his like there were um it doesn't come out in the quran or anything but in certain hadith there are like um in Islamic eschatology, there is this is not something from the Quran, but it's from like later interpretations, specifically Sunni, about in um, at the end of at the end times in the Great War at the end of uh, end of days, um, there will be the Muslims will be fighting the Jews, um, and the funniest part of it is the the Garkad tree, which is the belief that the Jews would hide behind trees, but the the trees would tell the Muslims that oh, there's a Jew hiding behind me. All except this one tree, the Garkad tree, which would be the tree, the one tree that wouldn't tell them. And I don't understand it. It's not an important tree in Judaism, but it, it's considered the tree of the don't, Jews in according don't to Don't trust this, this particular tradition. kind of tree, I guess. All right. I mean, even today, it is honestly kind of fucking terrifying how much uh, eschatological beliefs uh, drive politics, it turns out. Mm, yep. Uh, segway, segway. Yeah, segway, segways. Uh, in America, we got a whole lot of people who are Zionists uh, but are not Jewish or even really uh, fans of the Jews. It's just that they need Israel to exist so that they can uh, bring about the end of days. Like that their astrological, uh, I'm sure I just fucked the pronunciation on that. Their whole prophecy for how the world ends requires there to be an Israel as a pre-condition like condition mm, yeah. for the righteous ascending to heaven and Jesus returning to earth. G giving giving the Jews like their homeland back or whatever the fuck these guys think they're doing, like any benefits that they give to us are merely temporary and only serve to hasten the end when Jesus will wipe us out anyway and separate like the sinners from and, uh, the living. Man, how much can I get into this without again getting unfortunately topical? Um, that's a fairly recent development and it was a very intentional one on part of the Israeli government where they're like, okay, we want to form alliances with right-wing... Well, I don't want to say the Israeli government, but certain um, factions within Israel wanted to form alliances with yeah. uh, 
right-wing groups in the United States. And mm-hmm. a lot of that was reaching out to... This is during the 80s when the evangelical movement was getting big. was reaching out to, like, influential preachers like Pat, Pat Robertson and whatnot. And be like, hey, you know, uh, we want our Messiah back. Uh, you want uh, to hasten the return of Christ. Sorry, we want our Messiah to come. You want to hasten the return of Christ. Turns out the conditions for both those things happening are pretty similar. You know, um... We should work together, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? And this led to, like, people like Pat Robertson yeah. saying shit like, you know, we don't necessarily, like, we don't like the Jews, but we need to work with them to uh, ensure the existence of Israel. There's a certain, like, um, cynicism in certain parts of the political landscape uh, in Israel in terms of foreign policy where... It'll be like, well, this these are useful anti-Semites for our particular political goals. Yeah. And that also muddies the waters of how these things manifest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess going back to the uh, anti-Semitism and Jew- like how little affected Jewish populations outside of the uh, uh, outside of Christendom and how that's changed recently. Uh, Tormson, you were mentioning a group of... Uh, you you mentioned before a group of uh, Jewish people that lives in China, I believe. Oh, the Kaifeng Jews and stuff. Um, well, this is one thing I noticed that in like my research is that one thing that anti-Semites always bring up is like wherever the Jews go, they're they're distrusted and hated and thrown out. But like there are like seven like distinct communities of Jews who've been in like uh, India for like millennia. Never a problem, no backlash, and the Kaifeng Jews in China, they were just there, not a big problem. Like, as soon as they were out of the, like, the Abrahamic sphere, it was just another group of, like... How do you say Abrahamic? Again, like, I think it's mostly Christendom that specifically targeted them really bad. I feel like when I hear Abrahamic religion, it's usually coming out of the mouth of, like, uh, right-wing pundits who are trying to make it sound like whatever uh, Christian bullshit they believe in is also supported by two other religions that definitely don't support whatever batshit take they're making is. Yeah, but... Like, I don't ever see that term getting used in good... Yeah, but it is a term which is distinct, distinct, like, there's... It's Abrahamic religions versus, well, not versus, but like it's a a name for a ty- a group of religions it in the world as opposed to Dharmic religious religions like Hinduism and Buddhism, with, and Jainism. Yeah, it's yeah. a religious there tradition a, with many adherents. It's sort of like it's similar how like um, the idea of Semite, the Romance languages awesome. of religion. Sure, yeah, exactly. Sure, the Romance languages well, it, of religion, including uh, the bit it, with it's, Rome. No, it's like the Semitic languages of religion because, like, the Semitic people is an is a useless ah. concept, but in linguistics, it's still like, well, we call these Semitic languages, and that's just what we call them. And my understanding is, like, in China these days, there's a fair amount of like issues with sort of positive anti-Semitism. Where it'll be like, you know, you'll have books like Business Techniques of the Jews. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Finance Secrets of the Jews. That actually, that's hilarious, actually. That's really, so, really like, you know, funny. All, the, all the negative stereotypes of miserliness and uh, miserliness and uh, usury uh, associated with Judaism and, like, Christendom have been reframed as, like, good business acumen and, uh, and thiftiness. And- Being clever, having the ability to turn situations to your advantage. 
Self-defense. There, there was actually um, a proposal by Japan before World War Two just to take all the Jews because they're from Germany because they're like, no, we'll take them. <laughs> like, they'll be good for us because they had a more positive view on uh, Could you imagine the timeline where that happened? What, where my family decides to emigrate to Japan yeah. instead of the U.S.? That is a fascinating concept. Uh, there were Jewish people who ended up escaping to Manchukuo and those areas, and... Um, there was a Japanese diplomat who ended up being deposed. No, not deposed. Well, that's not the right word, but fired. And because he was he was signing off on too many um, visas for Jewish people to leave Germany, like he just kept. And like there was like a bit where he was like getting on the train and to be like sent back to Japan, and he was still signing like visas until he was taken away, which is interesting because it's, it's a. Yeah, that story is very famous. There's a parallel in Japan as well about the um, the well, not, the Nazi German, but he wasn't a Nazi himself, but the German diplomat who protected the, the Chinese against the um, Imperial Japanese Army, who were just going around cutting off people's heads. And it's just interesting. It's like, well, just take this imperialist Japanese or Nazi German out of context. Or then again, because they're both diplomats, yeah, yeah. so they're both like sort of open to the rest of the world type people. But it's interesting. It happened on both sides. I think that's human nature at work there, yeah. though. Like, I really, I, I really don't think that uh, people are predisposed to do evil, or necessarily that people are predisposed to do good. But I think that seeing other human beings in terrible situations usually uh, creates an empathetic mm. response. Like, we don't like seeing other people uh, upset and fucked up. Usually, yeah, gen generally agree. Frankly, I'm just stuck on the fucking Yiddish Policeman's Union for weirdos. The, uh, what? The Yiddish Policeman's Union? Are you not familiar with this book, CJ? Um, I, I, I'm confused by the uh, statement of four weeaboos in that sentence. Uh, you know, but instead of going to Sitka, Alaska, they go to Japan. I have not heard of this. This sounds fucking great. Yeah, Yiddish Policeman's Union. Very good book um, for listeners that are not familiar with it. It is a alternate history book about... Um, there was a plan during World War Two to set aside a large portion of the Alaskan panhandle for Jewish refugees. The plan did not go through, ended up not going through for a number of reasons. But basically, the history conceded this book is, what if it did? Huh. Uh, written by Michael Chabon, who has uh, done a lot of good stuff, actually. Okay, I may look this up, because that's another alternate history timeline that would be really funny. What if my family fucking emigrated to <laughs> Alaska? The, there's a Wikipedia page on all the proposed places... Um for the state of Israel, other than Palestine, and it includes um, the Kimberley region of Western Australia, uh, Uganda, I believe Argentina, a lot of places were proposed, all of which are separately interesting timelines. God, yeah, just any of these where it's like, okay, instead of being like smack dab the middle in the uh, middle of the Middle East, where does it, uh, you know, Australia is real, Alaska is real. Japan is real. There's, a, there's an Israel that's just uh, those disputed islands in the China Sea, I'm sure. That's pretty good. I was, I was wondering actually about this, like, um, due to, like, the, the fraught nature of conflict over the, the Holy Land, um, I, don't know if the, if, I don't know if it would work out, like, from the, the geography, but I'm like, well, what if like, the sea levels rise and it just goes under the water? What are people going to do then? Well, that's like, just well, the flood, again. True. We got through it before, we can do it again, and it's just proof that uh, the end of the days are coming soon, so don't worry about it. You put on your scuba it suit before you go uh, go down to whichever temple you uh, 
you prefer problem solved you can, you can yeah i mean i think that's the thing that makes me sad is the idea of like the loss of history that kind of happens in anytime there's like armed conflict anywhere this is an area that's specifically got a lot of history that is already difficult to preserve and already fragile and old one of my favorite sort of um middle eastern anti-semitic conspiracy theories is related to um al-aqsa mosque and the and solomon's temple and the the conspiracy that israel is trying to get all of solomon's like stuff like his magic ring oh my that god controls jinn and <laughs> to use it for their own benefit. all right i love that for us it sounds so hey, it's plausible a, hey, it was a magic ring mm-hmm. i mean uh the star was supposed to be like um the the shield of david and it's like it literally is just supposed to be a magic spell that keeps you safe historically oh. i don't know if that has worked Hey, you keep trying. Ha. You know, if it, if it if it shields you an extra 1% of the time, then, you know, that's magic. Then it's worth having, I guess, uh, yeah. That's magic. <laughs> yeah, we need, to, we need to do some statistics on this. Statistical quantifying, analysis. Uh, statistical analysis quantifying a miracle. Coming soon to academic publishing near you. Or a think tank. All right, I've got a, I've got a couple more of my uh, the, the, my favorite, well, not favorite, but most uh, interesting interesting uh, ones that I found. The desecration of the host is quite interesting to me. Oh, um, this, this one's is the crazy. Idea th- this one is it's quite crazy. Um, so this is the idea that um, the Jews believe that the concentrated wafer. Um, used in Catholicism was actually the very body of Jesus, and so they would take the they would take the uh, wafers and stab, torment, and burn them to make Jesus suffer more for for reasons. Um, and apparently, this is linked to it might be linked to the fact that uh, wafers stored in certain dry conditions would develop a uh, a fungus, a scarlet fungus that appeared. A bit like oh um, blood, and so like well, how, why are why are our why are our wafers bleeding? Oh, the Jews must have come in here and tormented them. God, that's crazy. I've seen illustrations of what this was supposed to have looked like, and it is really just like a bunch of uh, 4chan tier illustrations uh, taking knives and attacking little wafers. I've heard of them like growing legs and running away. God, that's so bonkers i'm honestly kind of interested again i I frankly don't know like how far back do like it seems like a lot of these anti-semitic tropes are largely so go back to christendom but you know like rome certainly had uh a negative relationship with the jewish population for a lot of their history very what were their anti-semitic tropes like right what were their stereotypes like they were like more about making fun of like the whole monotheism thing. Oh, you guys only got one. You guys can only afford one god. What chumps? We can afford and it seven. Was, and it was very much like Rome having a hard time keeping control of Judea with the number yeah, yeah, of rebellions. Exactly. And the context was very different. Yes, yes. No, absolutely. But, it, you know, I, I, I am left wondering, like, okay, how much of uh, these... Di- how many of these stereotypes very associated with Christendom go back to before Christendom, and how many of them, uh, and then what were sort of the stereotypes like for these groups before? Well, it's interesting how uh, the, a lot of the sort of blood label ideas that the Christians adopted came from the Romans, but 
at the huh. Christians because the Christians were at the time like like at the time when the like blood libel myths were like against the Christians were developing the Christians were seen as a much bigger threat to the Roman state than the Jews were because it was post like the destruction of the second temple and all that and like the mm-hmm. diaspora happening uh, while the Christians were converting everyone and like there's a big difference there where like because the Jews weren't into conversion so like that's a contained yeah. population for the most part but the Christians were not contained at all and they were uppity and doing things um, and a lot of the the same sort of um, accusations that ended up being leveled against the Jews by Christians were like oh look these Christians are eating babies and doing all these fucked up things in their in their secret evil churches yeah um, and then more mainstream Christians ended up leveraging those same sorts of uh um, to get out Gnostics. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Actually, I have, I have, a, I have a thought because I was thinking on this um, about because I was thinking about how the claim that um, anti-Semitism is the oldest conspiracy theory, and I would say like, no, no, like, like the whole Gnosticism is the oldest conspiracy theory as a, in, on, a, on a cosmic scale. Um, like this sure. whole world is a lie, sure. right? And then oh, I was yeah, like, there's, a, there's a reason there's a lot of overlap between Gnosticism and conspir- conspiracy. And again, look yes. to David Icke. And I was thinking about how we were talking about how, um, like, Gnosticism is seen as a Christian movement, but there's a lot of evidence that it was pre Christian, that it was originally a Jewish movement, um, or like derived from Judaism at least in a pre Christian yeah. sense, Sethianism and such. And then I was thinking. If I was the Demiurge and I really wanted to muddy the waters, I would just allow anti-Semitism to flourish because then people will be distracted from my archons. Oh, so it's like a negative version of the chosen people thing? Where it's like, these are... are you, you have been designated as the scapegoat for all of history by me, the Demiurge. I mean, that's pretty dark. But it occurred to me. Because he's the bad guy. Fuck the Demiurge. He is the bad guy. Fuck you, yelled above. Sunflower, lion, serpent-looking ass. All right, I've got two. I've got two more. All right, I've got two more. Um, all right, this is uh, this is this is one I. It's I just saw a reference to it in a Vanity Fair article um, about uh, someone who went to Russia um, to ask people about anti-Semitism and uh, talked to a local peasant um, about why there was such antipathy everywhere against Jews. And apparently the peasant replied, it is because the Jews have a secret vegetable they eat, so they don't become alcoholics <laughs> like the rest of us. And they refuse to share the vegetable with anyone else. <laughs> oh my god. Holy shit. Uh, I don't know what yeah, I expected. That wasn't it, though. The, 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 <laughs> secret, the secret Jewish anti-hangover vegetable. Perfect. <laughs> I, I really don't know what I expected, but that definitely wasn't it. <laughs> hey, CJ, you're, we're, we're friends. Help brother out. Uh, yeah, I need this vegetable. I quit drinking fairly recently, but uh, sorry. Well, then that means I'm sure you got plenty of the vegetable around, No, right? I, it's more to say, like, if such a thing was real, uh, I, I, <laughs> I'd be broke right now. I, I think that's a fun one to deploy for any, like, discriminated against group. Ah, oh, they have a secret vegetable. A secret vegetable. I gotta keep that in mind. It's just so batshit. What an excellent explanation. It makes no fucking sense in the slightest. Uh, okay, yeah. What's the last one you got there, dude? The last one is much more recent. Um, 
This came out from uh, secret documents captured by U.S. troops in 2004, um, where in 2001 in Iraq, the General Security Directorate got really concerned about the popularity of Pokemon, believing it was a Zionist conspiracy. Um, and among the pieces of evidence that they had was Pikachu, um, meaning be a Jew, apparently, according to these reports. Oh, my God. Man, the Jews invented all the good stuff. This reminds me, actually, of a... Uh, I think this is this is a decent place to segue into uh, like the New World Order stuff, I think. Unless there's anything we want to keep sure. talking about here. All right, so... One of the, one of the things like one of my favorite Jew jokes of all time I think is the one that goes uh, two rabbis are sitting on a bench reading the news. Uh, one of them has the New York mm-hmm. Times and the other one is hey. reading the Daily Stormer, and it's like you know why the fuck are you reading that? And it's well when I look in here we're winning. <laughs> yeah. Like when I when I look in banks, here we actually Hollywood. yeah yeah we control everything and we've got you know the power to do something about it. Sometimes you just want to live in that fantasy world for a minute. So, since we are technically an RPG podcast, yeah, this begs all begs the question of <laughs> how do you make any of these concepts gameable? Well, you know, mm. not, not 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 just being a fucking asshole. Hmm. Uh, a bit that stood out to me in Jewish Space Lasers that I thought was very interesting was the opening chapter, where it describes uh, this woman who is uh, identifying herself as. Anna Rothschild, right? And she's at, like, Trump's Mar-a-Lago estates. And, you know, she's being tended hand and foot and has a chance to meet with uh, and hobnob with all these influential people that are fawning over her because, uh, because of her family. And it turns out that she was just a fucking con artist that was adopting the Rothschild name for the prestige associated with it. Shocked. Shocked, I say. And, like, I think that's kind of a fun one of, like, people claiming to be a Rothschild, claiming to be part of, you know, the big far-reaching Zionist conspiracy or whatever, because they're associating with people that believe that shit and want to take advantage of those, of those biases. That is very funny, actually. I think there is probably something to do there where it's, like, a grifter whose grift is just being a member of, like, the New World Order. With people who would yeah. believe that, especially like against new money types, uh, who would love those kind of explanations and also are generally regarded as being easy to trick, like, like that's the other thing too that you hear about a lot of conspiracy theories where we were talking about like they're intended to appeal to like you know rich people with disposable income that you can then sucker into reading Enlightenment philosophy. It's like the same kind of thing there is you just appeal to the mysticism because the people who will fall for that. Uh, and have money are going to be more likely to fall for it if it sounds legit. Well, and conspiracy theorists tend to be fairly credulous people, so I'd imagine they'd make pretty good marks. Yeah, that too. These are people for whom gullible is written on the ceiling. Well, that's um, from an Anunnaki's point of view. You can see the overlap with uh, ponies here. And yeah. like a lot of a lot of ponies, just everything hot on the ground, are going to have a lot of preconceived notions that are going to be influenced by anti-Semitic tropes, uh, whether they know it or not. Um, so it's not too hard to see, imagine some checker to be like, um, do this for me and I'll teach you this, the secret Kabbalah that the elders of Zion are using or whatever, and it's just like some dumb like half-working ritual or whatnot. Amazing. Yeah. 
Um, kind of how to play dreidel. <laughs> kind of going back to what CJ just mentioned a little bit ago with that uh, famous uh, Jewish joke about the guy reading Der Sturmer and all that. There, there's a f- kind of a fun spin on some of these tropes where they become aspirational. Yep. Um, so I could see that being a thing like, okay, you have this local cabal, this local group of a bunch of um, Jewish people, and they're like, all right. Wouldn't it be great if the like something like the Elders of Zion actually was real? And let's let, let's make that ourselves. But you know, it's not like this very small scale, of course. So it's just like eight Jewish people. No, it should be it should be a like... minyan of Jewish people. Okay, okay, yeah, there you go. It's a, it's a full minyan that has just got. They're extremely street level. They barely do magic, and they just really want to do good. So they're doing this. Yeah. It's it's just these like super bad esque like Jewish teens yeah trying to like there do some shenanigans amazing uh, uh, okay so yeah that, that's a, that, that's another way of kind of utilizing those tropes is inverting them unknown armies tends to really push against the sort of new world order stuff the closest mm. is stuff like the sleepers but of course the sleepers are actually pretty young and um, a lot. More at this point, a lot more decentralized than um, your average New World Order conspiracy typically is. I wonder if the existence of like the sleepers helps as like uh, not an immunization, but like the fact that the sleepers are real and uh, like deliberately cultivate a mystique of like they're all around you, don't fuck up, charger sort of yeah. thing might sort of nullify some of the impact of anti-Semitic tropes on the occult, the, the occult underground itself, not the mainstream, but the underground. Oh, because you can just hot-swap a Jew for a sleeper? Well, as well, no, we've seen well, a lot of in the past, how these things tend to work is not that, oh, I was wrong, the Jews don't control the world. It's like, you just go a level up, and you're like, oh, the elders of Zion are controlled by the sleepers. Oh, of course. Because that makes sense. I was thinking more along the fact that they're like the sleepers deliberately do things to make people freaked out and afraid of them. So you go into the underground and people tell you like, no, that Jewish shit is like that Jewish conspiracy stuff is nonsense. But I know this guy that the sleepers did this fucking horrible thing. Like the sleepers are really out there. Like that's an actual like clear and present threat as opposed to whatever like mainstream nonsense you're talking about. Sure. So it becomes a lot more, of a pressing thing. So you might have a charger. Hey, either they used to be anti-Semitic or maybe they still are, but like, listen, listen, you know, sure, Jews control the banks or whatever, but the sleepers control the, the reality, man. It's a whole different level. I like the idea of like people in the underground believing in the international Jewish conspiracy, but seeing them as a bunch of smucks who don't know like the reality yeah. of like, like the, tr- the true, the true, like there's, it's not like there's another layer up that's controlling the Jews. It's like it's like a separate level, sort of yeah. thing. It's like oh, that's like they've they've taken that's the blue pill like conspiracy theory. Take the red pill, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's solid. That's solid. Um, it's very funny, and it's a fun thing of like you know someone that believes in sort of um, conspiracy shit, but also is looking for an excuse to feel superior. So it's like, well, I know magic. Do the Rothschilds know magic? No. I rest my case. 
the, the only Jewish conspiracy theory you need to worry about is those anagram gebetraists. Um, I would say, I guess, like, the closest thing to, like, some of these more powerful families that Unknown Armies has, and it can, it kind of does that on a, uh, in a fairly straightforward way, is through the, um, authentic thaumaturge families. And in that case, I kind of enjoy that spin, because it's just, they know one or two simple tricks that do legitimately make life significantly easier. At the same time, I sort of expect, like, a lot of my mental image of a lot of, like, authentic thaumaturge families, they're more likely to be dyed-in-the-wool anti-Semitic than Jewish. Sure. Oh, yes. I, I generally agree there. I generally agree there. Yeah, there's probably a couple of Jewish authentic thaumaturge families. They might even coach their sure. ritual stuff in, like, fucking, um... In, like, Kabbalic shit, right? Yeah, probably. Or other Jewish ritual traditions, but it's, you know, it's, it's it, that's largely flavor. Um, it's not going to change things particularly. Uh, actually, another fun spin I could see is, like, say you have, like, this Jewish authentic thaumaturge family, and they think of themselves as, like, a Rothschilds-esque group, where, like, all these far-reaching machinations and control over the institutions of the world but like no people just just humor them about it oh it's like, you know actually... they, they have a good amount of money where like all uh, like all their toadies are like oh yes yes sir our our, our plans uh our, our plans in china are going exactly as intended but like their, their plans in china is like yeah we've cupped in we've opened a couple chains and in, in uh, a couple chain uh chains of the store in beijing I, 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 that just makes me think of like, um, oh, I, I'm thinking of like keeping up appearances or like Adrian Mole, but I'm like, those are both British references. What's an American reference of someone who like thinks that they're hotter shit than they actually are? Silicon Valley, Elon Musk. <laughs> you, 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 yeah, Musk is a good one, but yeah, like, uh, the, the, I, I'm reaching to find a single example and struggling with that. I'm thinking of like like a cultural like figure or a pop cultural figure of someone who like believes themselves to be like this amazing sort of Chunibyo type like they they're the greatest person but they're not they're just low key they're like low fry whatever the word is Logan Paul I guess if you're talking Chunibyo specifically uh, considering his recent fighting career actually and the way that he seems to be stuck like as a perpetual you know twelve year old boy. Yeah. I'll take that. Well, that's like... Yeah, I mean, like, that, that's pretty textbook Chunibyo. I think he's older than I am, too. And he's still like that. Mmm. That's what having rich parents that are extremely enabling will do to you. That's terrifying, honestly. But Ugh. I do... I do... I do really like the idea of a family that think they're the Rothschilds, but are just... Are just not yeah, they're, 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 just, they're just, like, <laughs> pretty rich. I wonder if... He and, you know, they, they know a couple of rituals that make their lives easier. Like, the my favorite authentic thaumaturge ritual example is, like, the guys that can eat books to read them. It's like, yeah, that, that would make studying at school a lot easier, wouldn't it? It means you actually have to buy the textbook, but, you know, your family can afford it. And actually, you know, it's still probably where, you, you know, you go, you go to the fucking... <laughs> you, you know, you're a member of the family that uh, doesn't have as much money, so you have to go to the... Uh, college library to print out every page of the textbooks before you read them. I wonder if the problem there with that way of learning is it becomes like a exacerbated version of ro the weakness of rote learning 
where you can just regurgitate what someone like, has sure. writ- has written, but like you never actually have time to think about anything because yeah. like yeah. your mum's come in with another like stack of books to eat. Yep. Oh god, and like they probably have the issues with that like your average rich family will have where they're you know like forcing the kids to take all these uh like tutoring programs and shit. To make themselves look as appealing to the Ivies as possible, but in that case, it's just like, all right, you got to eat three books tonight, honey. You have to eat three books and be possessed by the old tutor demon. Yeah, and then I mean, unfortunately, neither. Well, the, the tutor demon is when you actually do like your homework and get your essay done and shit, right? No, that's after you take all the Adderall. Ah, you know, who who needs Adderall when you can be possessed by the ghost of a tutor? I mean, that's that's basically what Adderall is. You're possessed <laughs> by the productivity demon. Oh my god, I can see that. The kind of, like, demon that would end up being a tutor is probably a demon that is, like, harboring, like, really specific, like, like academic views that oh, is desperately clinging on to life that's, to, like, that's, propose. That's the fun bit, right? Support. Like, you, you, you summon the demon of, like, you know, that's why they're going to be clinging to the, you the summon, mortal Yeah, you, exactly. summon so the you summon the history of the guy, uh, you, you summon the demon of the guy who came up with the phantom time hypothesis, uh, and yeah. he'll teach you history. Yeah. He, he believes some absolutely yeah, he insane shit, but he does his... know history. And then, you know, you're, you're doing the fucking history part of the SAT and just writing the most insane shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, like, you end up doing well regardless because, like, you hit all of the fucking beats that the SAT rubric says you need Wait, to hit. Wait, there's no history in the SAT. Uh, am I thinking of... No, I think I'm... ACT, maybe? You'll know this shit better than I will. I, will. I know it's I not in the, the SAT. In the SAT. The SAT is reading, writing, okay. math only. Okay, okay, okay. I went to the ACT, and I think I remember history, but I'm not sure. I, no, I guess the better equivalent would be something like the uh, the uh, world history AP test or something, right? Trying to, trying to get through your astrophysics paper when your tutor demon just keeps talking about the ether. Yeah. Yeah. Or... Well, uh, is there anything else we need want to cover here? Let me My, see. Uh... I, I, want, I want to hit the New World Order stuff and just kind of go down the list here. This is kind of where you get into a lot of the, like, self-contradictory narratives here. Uh, Umberto Echo, Echo Counter 4 now. Uh, <laughs> Ding! In any case, this is, like, where you get the Serpent People stuff. It's, you know, but it's also where, like, you get... Uh, Jews are responsible for the evils of capitalism, but also the evils of communism. Like... They're, you know, they're behind all of the things we don't like at the same time. And that's kind of what fascinates me about the idea of there being, like, a cultural elite of Jews is, like, that you just use them to justify whatever social program you do not like or mode of government or economics that you do not like being bad because it's associated with them. Or because it is associated with them, it must be bad. Man, the trash that Hollywood is putting out these days is just awful. Obviously, the Jews are behind this. Yeah, but you also get stuff where it's like, you know, uh, that's why everything is so woke now and therefore is bad. But also, uh, everything is so overproduced in pandering because of Jews and their lust for money, which is also bad. It's probably, it's really depressing to think of just how many people, what down the pipeline from man the new star wars movies suck to anti-semitism before that they detoured detoured through sexism and racism first oh sure sure absolutely but like the evolution over time that pipeline is there yeah that pipeline is there and i I don't think it's like a particularly you know 
well-traveled one, but there's definitely a few guys that have gone down that route. There's a great um, story about uh, Henry Ford, who, uh, when he bit into a candy bar and didn't care for it, and frowned at it and said, the Jews have taken hold of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Oh, another fun spin on that would be like, the Jews used to be good, but now they suck. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? oh, no. Steven Spielberg, great filmmaker, but now, you know, you have all these new Jews entering Hollywood. They're just, they make nothing but trash. The Rothschilds really know how to throw their, uh, they really knew how to throw their weight around. Uh, this Soros guy, He's really just got no class at all doing everything out in the open yes. like that. That's, yes. That's really Pro funny. Rothschild anti-Soros sentiment. Uh, which actually is a great detour into the third category broadly of myths here, little canards, which is everything in that international finance category, which is like, uh, yeah. see yeah. also Soros, George, and uh, Rothschild, no relation. Yeah, no, the, the so Soros is basically just the 20th century Rothschild, straight up. Yeah, and it's, you know... It's interesting to me how many of those conspiracies about individuals uh, who are prominent and Jewish end up being, like, the center for conspiracy theories in this way. And I, I know that the logic is supposed to be that, like, he has money and is Jewish and therefore evil, so he will spend the money advancing evil Jewish causes. And I'm just kind of sitting here going, like... I mean, if I had that much money and there is literally no possibility that I could ever spend all of it, I too would be tempted to do some really batshit frivolous things. Uh, but if I was going to change the world, I don't think I'd be doing it the way that they think he's doing it. When someone that isn't Jewish does it, we just call it philanthropy. Right. It's it's just, you know, uh, it really only counts as uh, blood libel if you're using the unleavened host of Christ. Uh, and otherwise, it's just sparkling religious hatred. I don't know. I think the blood tastes better when it's with the leavened. Eleven host. That's just me. <laughs> I thought you were saying the blood tastes better if it's sparkling. The the fizz is important. Hey, I'm a fizz. fan of blood sausage. I'm a fan of blood based dishes. You know, add yeah. a bit of uh, leaven bread in there. That sounds good to me. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but I mean, so there's there's like I, I guess it is a kind of crossover with the New World Order the way that you were saying, Frank, because you do get a lot of that like overlap there. But r recently, it's also started moving into like the tax sphere rather than just money. Well, just any source of influence where, you know, you see Jewish people exist. Yeah. You know, like yeah. banking, tech, law. media, law. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's just, it's really insane to me, some of the connections that people make. But it, it can be very fun. I guess part of what I wanted to do here today was in uh, defense of New World Order style conspiracies or like uh, economic control style conspiracies because our real life has a lot of stuff that does look like that and it's an interesting story to tell and I don't want to say like this entire format of stuff is off limits and if you use it, you're bad. I think it's the same as every other trope out there where you need to think about why you're using it and how and just try not to be an asshole and then get other people to check your work just say like hey man can you read this i want to make sure i'm not an asshole yeah but critical thinking is hard sometimes you're an asshole when you don't mean to be so it's good to get things checked. yes yes right well sometimes you're not the sometimes you're not the asshole that you're intending to be and that's also an important distinction right i mean i don't want people to be so afraid of wokeism or whatever that they don't make attempts to do things one i don't think wokeism is real and like two 
it's not an if it is real it's not it's it's clearly not an impediment to anybody's career uh but like that doesn't mean that the social fear of it doesn't exist and i would say that if you are afraid to make you know some content for that social fear a really like decent way of dealing with that is just by going okay maybe i should ask the people that i am like intending to do the content about whether or not this story is like offensive because the people in the marginalized group are going to be able to spot dog whistles that would have never occurred to you like that you could have never intended to do on purpose because how would you know yeah and it's like i sometimes when i'm writing i I do like to like sit on the edge and like ride the edge on things, but like I have to be careful, like what I'm like th- like sometimes I'm like, hey, this is offensive in, in a in a particular way, but I'm like I don't want to. Yeah, be- you, you got into trouble with that with your shotguns last year, and then you pitched an idea to me this year that also was like I had to just state yes, I think that people are going to think this is an overtly political message. I'm glad yeah. I caught that myself though in the shower where I'm like ah, because that that was the part that I just thought was clever and I was like eh, no maybe I should take that out because I'll think I'm saying something yes uh, we're not going to elaborate on what that was but it it was very <laughs> funny and it was a case of like hey does this sound right to you friend who would probably know uh, and the answer is it's definitely wrong let's make it not that yeah, well, I'm gonna work on that. I mean, and that wasn't out, certain... and, uh, out of any malice on your part either, too. And that's like I think what frequently happens with most people. And if yeah. you don't have malice, then it's better to be told by somebody like that you're fucking up before you do it, because then you get to minimize the harm you do. Like I, it feels shitty to hurt somebody by accident. Yeah, the, the solution to a lot of this stuff is you know basically think about it, apply critical thinking and nuance, fucking, and to treat anyone involved not as like. A representative or or as a resource as a, a symbol but as like a fucking person like you know say you yeah. want to write something where there's this big far-reaching conspiracy of some sort new world order or whatever what's the interiority of the guy one of the guys on the the new world order committee right what's their life like what what are their hopes and dreams and anxieties what uh, what is the tone what, what, overall what of the work them up at night what keeps them up at night when they're trying to sleep, right? Am I am I running this new world order as well as my dad did? I don't know if <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one, right? Like, I that's I actually that's that is good. that's the premise for an entire yeah. other podcast. <laughs> yeah, just like oh man, my dad such a, uh, my, my dad did such a good job of this, and I'm I, I'm worried I'm not just. I'm not living up to his legacy, controlling the world's economies. I have to go re-listen to that podcast now. It's just unlocked a memory for me. Wow, okay. It's the same logic of, like, um, how do you make Superman interesting? Or you give him emotional problems. So how do you make the, like, overarching, all-powerful Jewish conspiracy interesting? Give them emotional problems. Yeah, exactly. They're still fucking people. Yeah. I mean, something that's, uh, I, that I do want to bring up, because so this is, uh, once again, I got to hedge this by saying, this is me talking about my beliefs. This is not representative. This is just me. But there is this theory of like repairing the world being a core part of why I am Jewish and my like particular beliefs in Judaism. And I know that that's not uncommon. And it's about the idea that like, if we're the chosen people, the way that people like to insinuate online, we were chosen to do the dishes and take out the trash. Shit is fucked up. Our responsibility is to try to make it a little less fucked up anywhere that we can feasibly reach. So it's funny to me because 
uh, that's kind of where you go back to the whole idea of like, man, I really wish the Illuminati were real. Well, and people trying to fix the world often fuck up in various ways, right? And then they have to clean up their messes and, you know, it creates all sorts of interesting conflicts. This is literally the tagline for the game we are talking about. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Congrats. Uh, So, I mean, that's really my take on it is it's just like, I don't know. It's interesting the way that these things kind of the moon logic that you can draw between various like points on these conspiracies and how they attach to real life or where they might have come from. Often not even internally consistent intellectually, but oh, gee, of course, of course. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to be. Echo it, counter again, five. It's about, it's about turning the world into a story, and you know, a story. What what stories generally supposed to do is evoke some sort of emotional response. And to be some sort of, bring some sort of emotional comfort. I think we've now looped back around to the start here. Yeah, I mean, bookends. That's what you try to do, right? Yeah, and now I know what podcasts I need to listen to on the flight home. There you go. All right. Well, this was lovely. Um, I, I think I'm going to get a, I think I'm going to get seconds here. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I might have to split you guys. Um, see that, the golem that just came in? I, uh-huh. I owe him a bit of money. Oh, Really? Okay. All right, look, so, um, Frank, do you have a bag and, and or do you mind holding open one end of my bag while I sweep the snack table? Not at all. Excellent. All right. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Well, happy Hanukkah.